And uh, I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to continue our series called Breakers. If you missed part one, you need to go back and listen to it. And uh, this, this is one of those, they work in tandem with one another. And uh, so go check it out. And uh, Breakers part one on YouTube, our podcast, uh, on our website. Uh, this is Breakers part two, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 18. It says, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Belperazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called, it was named Belperazim. Now, I don't know if you caught this, we added some scriptures to our text that we didn't read last week. It says that in the valley, the enemy spread out. I want you to know where the enemy spreads out. It's in the valley times of our life. It's in the difficult seasons, it's in the downturns, it's in the dark moments, and it seems like the valley, the enemy just kind of like spreads out in that place. But the scripture says, in that place, God broke through, or he broke out. The Bible says that his, that place was called Baal Perizim, which means the Lord of the master of the breakthrough. It means the place where God broke forth or, or burst forth like the rushing of many waters. Pretty awesome. It used to be called the Valley of Rephaim, which means this. It means the place or the home of giants. Now look at God. He took the place where the enemy spread out in the valley... The place that was home to giants, and he made that and renamed it the place of breakthrough. I'm going to tell you that that is the crux of our entire series, is that whatever you're walking through or encountering right now, God wants to take that place of challenge, and he wants to turn it into a place of breakthrough. God wants to take that difficulty, that crisis, the thing that you're walking through, and he wants to flip it into a place, a marker, an altar where God broke through. How many could use a breakthrough today? It's like, man, I, I could use a breakthrough. I want you to go now to Mark chapter 10, and this is where we're going to get the rest of our message. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, really familiar story uh, in, in the New Testament, but I want to read it to you because I believe this really encapsulates what we're talking about today. Last week we talked about the mentality of a breaker, the mentality, what you think about. Any, any place that my life reality does not line up with the truth of God's word, then I need breakthrough. Let me, let me say it this way. This is how we said it last week. Wherever there is a disconnect between God's truth and my reality, I must contend for breakthrough. So if you're wondering, if you need a breakthrough today, anywhere that you're not living up or living in everything that God has given to you, you need to have some element of breakthrough to move you into that reality. That God's truth isn't just God's truth out there. God's truth now comes into my reality. Mark chapter 10 Verse 46, it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. It's kind of cool how him and his dad have rhyming names. Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. Anyways, just thought it was funny. Was sitting by the roadside begging. After so many services, every, every service, like, you see something different. It's fun. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, or in verse 48, it says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. I love that. 
Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. The same people that told him to be quiet are the same people that passed on the information that now Jesus would like to talk to him. So nice of them. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. This is really interesting too. Like I said, more, more. He came to Jesus. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What was his issue again? Was he healed yet? That was mean, wasn't it? <laughs> you never tell a blind man, like, over here. <laughs> That's what Jesus did. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. I, I want to talk just for a couple minutes about the attitude of a breaker. The attitude of a breaker. I, I think believers should have a little bit of an attitude about them. Not an attitude like being sarcastic or sassy or having an edge. I'm talking an attitude like being confident. Like believers should be the most confident people on the planet. They should just have an attitude about them. I was talking to a, a guy this week, a friend of mine, and uh, we were talking about the Seahawks. That's my team, if you didn't know, Seattle Seahawks. We already played this week on Thursday. Already got a W. Feels really good to come into the weekend already with a win. I feel like I'm preaching just with a lighter load, knowing that we already recorded uh, a, a win. Some of you look a little nervous, but that's all right. We, yeah. So I'm talking with him, and he says, uh, you know what? I really can't stand your coach. I'm like, Pete Carroll? Everybody loves Pete Carroll. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, man, I can't stand it. It's just like, I can't stand it. I'm like, man, wh why would you even say that? He goes, he's a cheater. He's a cheater? I'm like, bro, he's not a cheater. He's just misunderstood. All right? Like, come on. Cut the guy some slack. And I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I didn't used to like Pete Carroll. In fact, when he was the coach at USC, and he wasn't our coach, I didn't like him at all. He always had that attitude. He's just confident. He, I don't know if you know this or not, but he's the oldest coach in the NFL. And he's probably got more energy than about two-thirds of them. I mean, he's just always, man, he's got energy. He's got music pumping. He knows, like, the newest, biggest, baddest songs. He's out there dancing on the practice field. He just has this attitude. People hate him. I love him because he's my coach. See, something changes when he's, like, on your team. USC, I was like, man, what an attitude, man. He's so cocky. But now he's on my team, and I love it. I just want you to know there is something about a believer that should have an attitude that believes that you're going to win. I know everything's not about winning and losing. I know we give out participation trophies these days. But there is something about a believer that should have an attitude that's confidence. An attitude that says, if God be for me, who can be against me? An attitude that says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. A confidence about our lives and how we walk and how we work and how we talk and how we worship and how we live. An attitude. And that's what I want to talk about today. An attitude. The attitude of a breaker. You know, it's interesting I don't know if you're readers or not. My wife is a big reader. I'm a big listener. You know, I like Audible. And, uh, but, but she's a big reader, and, and she reads books, like, all the time. She can read so fast. I mean, I'm, I'm barely in chapter three, and she's, like, on book three. And, 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 but she does something that's, like, it seems wrong to me, and I don't know if you do this or not, but, but she'll go to the back of the book, 
and she'll read a couple pages to see if she likes the rest of the book. That seems wrong to me. Like that poor author that tried to build chapters and chapters of suspense and story, and all of a sudden she's just, nah. Like, wait, there could have been something good in chapter seven. You'll never know. But I will say she's finished a lot more books than I have. So I don't know if her technique is better. I, I want you to know something. When God looks at your life, it's divided up into a lot of chapters. The good thing about God is he also knows the end from the beginning. But my concern for many of us is that we have had bad chapters that now have told us that we're going to have a bad story. We haven't read the ending, we read the chapter. And because we're reading our current chapter, we have now have, we have made a deduction in our mind that the end of our story is going to be bad because the chapter I'm living right now is bad. I want you to know this, if you don't have chapters in your life, what was meant to be a chapter will become a cycle. If, if, if you don't understand that chapters were meant to start and to stop, passed on to the next one, you will get stuck in a chapter that you were never supposed to get stuck in. That's why someone can say something to you when you were nine years old and it can stick in your head and now you're 39 and you still have the same dot, th thoughts, the same doubts, the same problems because what was meant to be a chapter, it was wrong, it shouldn't have happened, they shouldn't have said it, has now become a cycle. That's my concern for us as believers is that Jesus died so that we could advance, so that we could progress, so that we could be more than conquerors. All of that is available to us, but I feel like a lot of us, we settle for less than God's very best and less than the freedom that he died for because we get stuck in a cycle that should be a chapter. I, I don't know if, if you ever thought about this or not, but if we right now took your Bible and we opened it to the book of John, we turned to John chapter 19, we said we will preach from John chapter 19, all we're going to do today is preach from John chapter 19, we're going to end at the end of chapter 19 and we're all going to go home. We would read John chapter 19, which is the account of the crucifixion of Jesus. We would read that chapter, we would end that chapter, and Jesus would be dead, he would be buried, he would be gone, and we would go home. Because it's the end of the chapter. Chapter 19, Jesus died. He was crucified. It's it. Our Savior, he's gone. It's over. But there's another chapter. And if you're not careful, you will take a chapter 19 and think that this is now my future. When in John chapter 20, the Bible says on the third day Jesus rose from the dead, that he got out of the grave, that he walked out, that all of a sudden now in chapter 19, the life that's, that ceased to be now has come back. See, I, I wonder how many of us have given up in the chapter 19s and now we'll never get to see a chapter 20. And in chapter 19, we, didn't, we lost hope, so now we think that chapter 19 is going to be forever, and now we're in a cycle in chapter 19, and never having a, see, between chapters, this is a little word called a chapter break. A chapter break, a break. I need a break between chapter 1 and chapter 2. I need a break between chapter 2. I need a break through. I need to break through. I need to have an attitude about my chapter that even though it's not what I want it to be or how I 
God wanted to be right now. My story isn't over yet. My story isn't over until God says it's over. And so if he doesn't say it's over, then it's not over. And no matter how bad chapter 19 is, I am holding on. I'm contending. I'm believing God that chapter 20 is on its way. Let me ask you this question. What happens when chapter 19 happens and you're ready for chapter 20 and chapter 19 happens again? Because this is the real problem, isn't it? Like this preaches well. We get fired up like chapter 20 is on its way. <laughs> and then tomorrow you go back to work and it's chapter 19 again. Next week it's chapter 19 again. And next year it's chapter 19 again. Next marriage, it's chapter 19 again. Next kid, it's chapter 19 again. Next job, it's chapter 19 again. And you're just like, you start to lose hope. And this is what I want to talk about, the attitude, the stubbornness, the fight, the tenacity, the perseverance of a believer that says, if that's available, I'm getting it. I don't care how long I have to be in chapter 19. If God said chapter 20 is there, I'm going to believe. I'm going to contend. I'm going to stand. I'm going to fight until chapter 20 becomes my reality. A bad chapter doesn't mean it's a bad story. Now, I want you to know this. In Paul, who's one of the apostles, wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, was writing a letter to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 4, this is, a, this is a chapter that's incredible because Paul talks about all of his hardships. And he talks about that whether he's had a lot or whether he's been in need, he has learned the secret to being content. How many of you like to know that secret? Like, I'm poor, I'm happy. I'm rich, I'm happy. It's like, teach me that. Most of us are like, rich, we're happy. Poor, we're believing for better days. <laughs> Paul just said, I'm content. I'm good. Under persecution, I'm good. In freedom, I'm good. In prison, I'm good. Out of prison, I'm good. I have learned the secret to being content. And it comes to Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 13. My mom made me memorize this verse when I was about seven years old. I've been quoting it my entire life. It says, I can do, you ever heard this before? All things, how many things? Through Christ who strengthens me. Now we're going to come back to this a couple times over the next couple weeks. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So how do I bring God's truth into my reality? Here's part of it. Part of it is you have to have confidence. Confidence. This is what blind Bartimaeus had. You see it in verse 47. He says this in Mark, Mark chapter 10 verse 47. He says... He says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he heard. He's blind. So all I can do is hear. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he says he heard that Jesus was healing people. So it says that he cried out. He shouted. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. That takes confidence. It takes confidence to cause a disruption. It takes confidence when everyone's, all the beggars are sitting beside the road, he's blind, all the disciples are with Jesus, all the religious leaders are following him, to all of a sudden, as a blind man, hey, Jesus! Like, we have a hard time, like, lifting our hands in church. We're like, man, it was powerful service today, I lifted a hand. 
You know, it's like, whoa, worship, man, it, 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 it got me. You know, I just like, <sighs> you know, I just, I got, wow, it's powerful. This dude's like, hey, Jesus. There's a desperation. It's, it's a confidence. It's a confidence that Jesus had something that he needed. My mom told me growing up, when she taught me that verse, she told me all the time, she would say this. She said, Dustin, you can do anything you set your mind to do. Over and over and over again. You can do anything. Until it became, like, tiring. I'm like, Mom, I get it. I can do anything. I'm Superman. Oh, so boring. I mean, all the time, literally, my mom was just in town last week. She left notes all over my office, all over my home, in my books, in my Bible. Say, hey, love you, so proud of you, you can do anything. You can. I mean, it's like it's everywhere. All my life she's told me you can do anything. You know what that develops? Confidence. Confidence. Do you have confidence? Do you have confidence in you? Do you have confidence in what God has for you? Now, I'm going to help you because confidence alone isn't enough. Confidence alone is arrogance. Confidence in me is arrogance. But that's not where the scripture stops. It says, I can do all things. That's confidence, friend. But it, then it continues, and it says, I can do all things through Christ. So there, there's, there's another layer to this. I want to just say this just real boldly right into your situation. Every voice that ever told you that God can't or that you can't do it or won't make it is a lie. Can we just say that just right out from the, from the outset? Whatever voice ever told you that you can't do it or won't make it, it's a lie. You can do anything you put your mind to do. You can succeed wherever God calls you to succeed. You should be a success wherever you go. God should make a way for you. And there should, be, there should be prosperity. There should be blessing. There should be relationships. There should be connection. This is, all, this, this, this is what should happen in the life of a believer. But confidence can't be confidence alone. Confidence has to have a level of dependence. If I'm just confident in me, I'm in trouble. I have to be confident I can do all things through Christ. There's some people that are just confident, and they're confident in them. That's pride. Some people are just dependent. Oh, oh, I don't know if God would ever call me. I don't know. I've been through so much. I've done so much. Hold on. Where is your attitude? Why are you so much less than? Like, you think you're the only person that ever had a chapter 19? No, like, everybody's had chapter 19s. If we started comparing stories in here, we could be here a long time. There's a lot of scary chapters that are in this room right here. And some of us, we got confidence, but it's confidence in us. And some of us have dependence, but it's dependence problems. I'm going to tell you this, that to have an attitude of a breaker, it is a blend of confidence and dependence on God. The burden of breakthrough is the challenging blend of confidence and dependence. Just in case you were wondering, Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, it says, So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We need the power of God. 
It is not confidence in me, my giftings, my abilities. It's confidence in the God who called me. It's confidence and dependence blended together. God, I'm confident because you called me, and I'm dependent because I need you. I know I don't have what it takes. I know I'm not smart enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not powerful enough. I need you. But you got to use somebody. So I'm confident. See, so, some people are just like, oh, God will just move however he wants to move and bless God. No, he always uses someone. When God moves on the earth, he always chooses to move through someone. So you need to have confidence. God wants to use you. God wants, you, you're the change agent. Let me just say this to somebody. You're the answer to your own prayers. God, if you could just send someone to witness to my husband. If you could send someone, God, in our school, it's so bad. If you could just have a student just stand up for you, that'd be incredible. You're the answer to your own prayers. It's the attitude of a breaker. The attitude. I was getting the, the Wiley campus ready. Yesterday we went and they were setting up. And, and uh, they're in a new venue, the Outgrew B&B Theater. And so we got them in a new venue while we're searching for a permanent building. And, and uh, they might have to go to two services in there. I was there today right before I came here. And, and uh, they were packed out to the walls. And uh, it's incredible what God's doing. But I was there. And we were just trying to decide where, what, where, whatever things would, where things would go. That's what I'm trying to say. Where things would go. And looking around. And I, my eye caught this, caught this sign that was on the window. Now, I just want to preface this by saying, I know everybody has different challenges, learning disabilities, this is like, this happens, like people have these things, they have to learn to live with them, all this, all, all, I, I get all that, but I want you to hear my heart, the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I saw this sign, and the sign, I looked at it and, and it said, and I wrote it down to make sure I, I got it right, it says, I don't suffer from, and it had this learning disability, I'm not even going to name it, I don't suffer from this, I live with it, now before you clap or say anything, let me explain it. I live with it, and I work with it. Now, before I preface this, one of the other services was like, yes. No, no, hold on. Let me ask you a question. What have we learned to live with and work with that Jesus died to free us from? Well, Pastor, science says that there's no cure. Medicine says there's no option. When did medicine, science, any type of technology or education trump the word of God? I mean, for real, have we regressed so far that now we're trying to quantify and qualify our conditions where we just got to learn to live with it and be okay with it? No, if God said you could have freedom from it, you can have freedom from it. If God said you could overcome it, you can overcome it. If God said you're more than, you can be more than. If God said you can win, if God said you can prosper, if God said you can be successful, you can be. Well, I guess I'll just kind of like, I'll just learn to live with it, Pastor. No. Where is your attitude? That's the attitude I'm talking about. No, hold on. I'm not living with something that Jesus died so that I could be free from. Now, now I know what the question is. I know what the question is. But what happens if you have confidence and you have dependence and you have some attitude and nothing changes? Right? Isn't that the, isn't that the question? It's like, okay, I'm doing all this. I got confidence. I can do it. I can do it. I got dependence. God, you're my strength. Yay. I, and, and then, like, nothing, nothing changes. Nothing, nothing changes. And that brings us to the last one. It's called persistence. 
not fun, doesn't preach well, not sexy, doesn't sell well, not a good marketing tool, but it's true. It's persistence. Good old-fashioned stubbornness to give up. A refusal to bow. A commitment to contend for everything God had for me. No matter how many chapter 19s I go through, God, I am believing for chapter 20. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to write it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to prophesy it. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to memorize it until it becomes my reality. God, you said it. It wasn't my idea. You said it. And I'm going to hold you to your word. And the Bible says he's actually watching over that word to make sure that it is fulfilled. What have you learned to live with or to cope with that Jesus wants to set you free from? Persistence. In verse 48 of our text, it says, many rebuked him, the, the blind man, and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. I love that. Oh, I love that. Too many Christians have been told, shh, by other Christians and we sit there politely and say, oh, yeah, I guess I was never called to lead. Or I was never called. To, I, I, I'll never really amount to anything. I'll never make a real difference. And so-and-so told me. You know what scholars say? There was two groups of people that they believe told the blind man to be quiet. The first group of people was the religious leaders. How crazy is that? Like, like the people that were learned, the people that were educated, the people that walked with God, knew the word of God. They are the ones that said, shh, hey, don't bother Jesus. Can I help somebody? Your problems never bothered Jesus. They might bother people, but they never bother him. You can see this. Jesus wasn't, he wasn't phased in the least. When he got, when that boy got his attention, he's like, man, come on up here. Which was a little mean, right, because he was blind. But he's, come on up. You got some attitude? Show me that attitude. He's like, okay, Jesus, where you at? Keep talking, Jesus. Second group of people was other beggars that scholars believe didn't feel like it was fair or didn't believe he was worth it to come out of what he'd been in. A group of beggars that believed that this was their lot in life. And so when Bartimaeus spoke up, when he was a disruption, they thought, shh, shh Bartimaeus, no. You know who we are. What kind of people have tried to remind you who you are? And who made them the boss of who you are? Who made them the decider of your potential? Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was someone that loved you. Maybe it was a pastor. But for real, who made them the author of your story? So now because they said something wrong, you're going to stay in chapter 19 and repeat it? In a dry, depressed, discouraged life? No, friend. Chapter 20 is on the other side. And even though everyone told them to be quiet, the Bible says he shouted all the more. There was a rebellion in him against any authority that wasn't God's authority. And he said, I will not be silenced. I will not be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops because Jesus always responds to desperation. And he calls him, he staggers up. Isn't that how it is with Jesus too? He could have healed him when he was sitting there. The man already had confidence, dependence, persistence. Everyone telling him to be quiet. He persevered. And then Jesus gives him one more step of faith. 
hey, come on over here. Like, man, I can't see. It's loud out here. I don't know which voice is yours. You ever feel like that when you're following God? Like, man, I've been doing everything right, but now I, I got a step. The healing was not in the cry. The healing was in the faith that the cry represented. But the faith journey wasn't over yet until Jesus said, okay, now, your faith has healed you. It's confidence plus dependence plus persistence equals what I like to say, attitude. Confident in who God called me to be. Dependent on him and his strength. I'm persistent, which means if I don't see chapter 19 switch to chapter 20 tomorrow, that doesn't mean I'm going to give up. That means in 20 years, if I still come up to the prayer line for healing, I'm not going to worry about who's looking at me like, they still haven't gotten healed. I don't know who told you that sin keeps you from being healed or a lack of faith keeps you from being healed. My Bible says it only takes a little bit of faith. So whoever's trying to put that lack of healing on your shoulders, you should shrug it off and just know that a little bit of faith moves the hand of God. It happened all throughout your New Testament that a person with, with a lack of knowledge but a little bit of faith in sin, the woman caught in the act of adultery, all kinds of dysfunctional people had a little bit of faith and Jesus healed them. So whoever's been wearing chapter 19 like a badge of dishonor because you thought you weren't good enough or you didn't persevere enough or you didn't have enough faith, I want you to know something, that God will take your broken faith, God will take your small faith, God will take whatever kind of faith you have and it'll be enough to move his hand. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, I'm good. I still got attitude. Doesn't happen next year, I'm good. I still got attitude. Because it wasn't my word. I'm not worried about my reputation. He said it. It's his reputation on the line. And I, I've already settled the debate. I'm not negotiating. The word of God is the word of God. I actually saw a debate on social media last night about the word of God. They're like, we love God, we love Jesus, but we don't know if the word of God actually. What? The word of God. It's like saying, I love you, I just don't believe anything you say. Like, hey man, I believe everything about you except for what you say. Like, what? No, it's his word. The Bible was written over 60 books of the Bible over thousands of years with one congruent theme of redemption of, for mankind, which was the shedding of blood of a sinless, perfect Savior named Jesus that laid his life down so that we could live that same redeeming thread throughout all of those books. That's the inspired Word of God, friend. And whatever the Word of God says I can have, I can have. And I got some attitude about it. Don't try to talk me out of it. Don't try to shush me. Don't try to shut me up. Don't try to quiet me down. If God said I could have it, I'm getting after it. I'm going to see, baby. If God said I can see, I'm going to start yelling. I'm going to start shouting. All the haters can watch. All the doubters can doubt. But my voice is going to be lifted not to a man, not to a program, not to a church, but to a king. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.